Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. Once again, that's 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hey there, and welcome to today's program. Coming to you, as usual, live from the offices of Lives in the Balance in Newton, Massachusetts. Glad you joined in today. As always, these are your 45 minutes. And, uh, boy, I'm finding that in schools this time of the year, 45 minutes are hard to come by. Uh, people are stressed. They're, they're in the home stretch. Home stretch on getting everything done that they wanted to this school year. Home stretch on all the changes that are going to occur. Maybe your building leader is not going to be your building leader next year. Maybe you're changing positions. Maybe, you know, we're trying to figure out who's going to be in what classes. Stressful time in schools, May. Um Interestingly enough, I'm finding that uh, it's actually harder to do Plan B, collaborative problem solving, this time of year. We feel like there's not enough time left to accomplish much of anything. I shall correct that misperception shortly, but we feel like let's just huffing and puffing. We're running on fumes here. Make it to the end. Um, I personally and this is what I've been saying to a lot of the schools that I'm working with these days, I think that we could uh, do more with collaborative problem solving than just run on fumes here at the end of the school year. Truth is, what we do here at the end of this school year is what's going to set the stage for what we do at the beginning of next school year. Uh, We're not running on fumes. There's no race to the finish line. We've got to get some good... Plan B habits going now to set the stage for what we want things to look like next year, starting in September. A lot of schools that I'm working with these days are in the beginning phases of learning about collaborative problem solving and trying to do it, and they are feeling very overwhelmed here in May by the number of unsolved problems. On the list of unsolved problems, with the challenging kids, the challenging students, they're trying to help here at the end of the school year. And, of course, uh, yes, it's true. If, if, if we are just identifying unsolved problems now here in May and we only have six weeks left, well, no, we're not going to make a tremendous dent in the list before the end of the school year. Right. Um. But we're going to set in place some structures and some ways of doing things early on here that will serve us well in September when the pile of unsolved problems is no smaller 
for each challenging kid who we're working with. You know, unsolved problems that don't get solved in one school year do have a way of finding their way into the following school year. Unsolved problems that remain unsolved don't get solved just because summer happened. They get solved because we did collaborative problem solving. This is the time of year to get things in place for next September. Then making a significant dent in the pile of unsolved problems for each individual challenging kid, and of course they pile up too. Then it's more realistic in September. Number one, we have more energy, but we also have nine months to solve problems. Now we only got six weeks. So what are we going to do with these last six weeks? We're going to try to get things squared away so that when we have nine months at the beginning of the next school year, we're ready to rock and roll. So that's what I thought we talk about today. Our theme for the day is let's get ready for next year. It, it might seem a little early to be talking about that, but believe it or not, we only have three programs left. We're going to take June, July, and August off from collaborative problem solving at school, uh, which means we've got Next week, the following week, and the 24th of May, the 31st is Memorial Day. There will not be a program on Memorial Day, which means that May 24th is our last collaborative problem-solving at school program for this school year. Don't worry. We'll be back. And uh, we'll be doing some fun stuff next school year as well. Truth is, we're going to be joining in on a faculty meeting in one of our final three um, programs. Um, a faculty in a Canadian province has graciously agreed to uh, have their faculty meeting on our program, and we're going to talk about lives in the uh, excuse me about collaborative problem solving. Cool. But that's not what we're talking about today. But let me give you the phone in number because I always forget six four six seven two seven two six nine one. These are your 45 minutes. I know I always pick the theme for the day, but callers take priority on this program. You call, I put you on. You don't call, I talk. What are we doing with these last six weeks? Well, I can tell you some of the things that I've been seeing lately in the schools that I'm working with and hearing from. Uh, one of the things I'm hearing is people forgetting forgetting to fill out the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems before they do plan B with a kid. Now, you don't you know, you don't filling out the ALSIP is not a prerequisite, but I'll tell you what filling out the ALSIP ahead of time sets the stage for. Proactive plan B. Proactive plan B. Uh, otherwise, we tend to deal with unsolved problems on the spur of the moment. And um, that's not good timing. I've been hearing about a lot of emergency plan B lately. Um, not your best friend. A better friend to you than emergency plan A, but 
your best friend's proactive plan B, planning for plan B. But that's set in motion by filling out the ALSIP, getting a list of unsolved problems together on a particular challenging kid and prioritizing and then planning those plan Bs. So I'm noticing that a lot of emergency plan B going on these in these uh last months of school. I mean there's no question people are running on fumes. They can't get to the finish line fast enough. People are tired. The kids are tired. They're ready too. The warm weather has arrived, at least here in the Northeast. I think we hit 90 yesterday, and it have been outside much today, but it, you know, kids start getting restless like it's time, man. Um, don't forget to be doing Plan B proactively, even though it's warm out. We don't need to add heat by doing emergency plan B. Um, another thing I'm finding that people are really needing help and practice at is drilling for information in the empathy step of plan B. Uh, I've begun saying that it's the hardest part of plan B, and I believe that it is. It's at least the part that people are getting stuck on the most, although a positive sign. I had a teacher uh, in another Canadian province, say by video conference today, um, I'm recognizing that that's my Achilles heel when I'm doing plan B. I don't drill far enough for information. I go with the first thing the kid says to me in the empathy step, and then I I don't go any further. Well, as I've said on this program before, the minute you start to recognize what your vulnerabilities are in doing Plan B, that you know you're almost there. So that's a great sign that you're recognizing that it's something that you're routinely doing that's keeping Plan B from working as well as it could. Drilling for information is is hard for people. Um, And I've been trying to be a little bit as much as I detest algorithms, I've been trying to be more algorithmic about what goes into drilling for information. So as I always say, it's who, what, where, when, and why the problem occurs under some conditions and not others, but it's really what you're thinking during the empathy step that's the key, and that is, what don't I quite understand about this kid's concern or perspective yet? What what doesn't add up? What what doesn't make sense to me yet? The goal of the empathy step is to understand. So as an example, I was hearing about an empathy step today about a kid who was having trouble getting work done. And um, in the very beginning of the empathy step, the kid said that he was tired. That was why he wasn't getting any work done. Um, now, the conversation then went in the direction of why are you tired, which is the fine direction for it to go in, except that um, once we've established that, you know, he was getting to bed too late, we've still got more drilling to do, drilling for information. H- how does you being tired, um, I mean, see, it's an interesting thing. It seems like it's self-evident. It seems like it's obvious. But what I've been saying to people lately is uh, I don't trust 
even my assumptions at this point. Let's not assume. Let's ask. As I've just been saying to a uh, inpatient unit that I've been working with, just got off the Skype with them, um, you'll find out. It, it, the the burden for knowing what's getting in a kid's way when you get just a little smidget of information in the empathy step, that burden has been completely removed from you. You need to be curious. You want to be asking the right questions, for sure. But uh, you don't want to assume. Sometimes our intuition actually gets in the way. We'll, we'll find out by asking clarifying questions in the empathy step of plan B. So immediately there were assumptions about how the kid being tired was impacting his work, but once again, uh, we're not going to trust our assumptions. We're going to trust the empathy step of plan B and drilling for information. What is it about being tired that makes it hard for you to get your work done? Uh, how come you being tired keeps you from getting your work done in this class but not in this other one? That's drilling for information. Usually it's who, what, where, when, sometimes why. Sometimes why under some conditions and not others, but always the goal is to understand and not trust our assumptions. Um, some folks are, that I've spoken with recently are wondering about this Plan B business, wondering after two or three Plan Bs, will I ever get good at this? No, not after two or three of them. takes longer than that. Um, somebody asked me today, "Is what are we going to have to do, heavy-duty therapy with a kid every day? No, I wouldn't call this heavy-duty therapy. I would call this heavy-duty trying to find out what's getting in a kid's way because, let's face it, our schools are filled. Our schools are filled with kids whose difficulties are not yet well understood. Our schools are filled with kids whose difficulties have been handled using Plan A, where if we understood what was getting in their way better, we would understand that Plan A doesn't have a snowball's chance of solving whatever's getting in the kid's way. And yet the beat goes on. They're not talking to us. We're not gathering the information we need to understand. Often we just keep applying Plan A, we know it's not working, but we keep doing it anyways. The empathy step of Plan B is worth getting good at. It's not heavy-duty therapy. It's finally, at long last, finding out what's been getting in a kid's way for a very long time. That's what we're doing. We want them talking to us. We do need to find the time, especially for our most vulnerable, high-risk kids Otherwise, the problems remain unsolved. We keep doing plan A and making it worse. And the beat 
continues, and the circle is unbroken. Well, we're going to break the circle. We're going to get ready for next year today. Those plan Bs you're doing for the rest of the school year, especially if you're new at it, are practice for next school year. you got to get your practice in. I know you want to get some problems solved before the end of the school year, and I really hope you do. But what I hope even more than that is that you'll get practice in the next six weeks of school that will serve you well in September. We're talking about practice. Once again, I do hope some problems get solved in the meantime, but let's not forget what we're doing here. We're practicing Plan B. Nothing this hard do people get good at in two or three trials. The practice now serves us well come September. Your first 10 to 15 Plan Bs are for practice. We've got to give ourselves the luxury of time to get good at something. You might be thinking, yeah, well, he's disrupting my classroom now. I understand. We might need to come up with an interim plan so that he's not disrupting your classroom. But in the meantime, if we're pushing this too fast to the point that it's not going to work that fast, then we're not going to be ready in September for what's walking in the door because we didn't get our practice in. So what, what, do we want to, uh, what do we want to have things looking like in September? Well, first and foremost, we want to get our practice in now. I know I'm beating that horse to death, but first and foremost, we want to get our practice in now. Then, there's a bunch of stuff we want to front load for next school year. If everybody in the building hasn't read Lost at School yet, let's make sure that they do. That's not a sales pitch for a book. That's how do we, in an efficient way, get as many people as possible oriented to the model. In our before-school-year trainings and workshops and discussions, let's talk about how this is a direction we'd like to move in this year so that we stop losing kids and so that there's not that 5 to 10% of kids in the building whose needs are not being met, their social, emotional, and behavioral needs. Then let's front load the use of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Let's make it a standard part of our discussions about kids with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges so that in the lagging skills section of the ALSIP, we're understanding what's getting in their way, lagging skills. And in the unsolved problem section, we are identifying the specific conditions under which those lagging skills are biting us. And those are our unsolved problems. Those are the problems we need to solve. Let's front load the use of the Plan B flowchart so that we have identified the two or three unsolved problems that we've prioritized that we're going to be working on with each challenging kid in our building so that we can 
make sure everybody knows what we're working on and make sure that we know who's doing plan B with the kid on each unsolved problem. Let's front load the paperwork. Let's front load having a core group of people, leadership and faculty members in the building, meeting, I recommend once a week, for at least a half hour a week, so as to track and monitor the challenging kids in our building who we're trying to do Plan B with and make sure that we are reaching out to and touching base with the teachers who are trying to do Plan B with those kids or whoever's trying to do Plan B with those kids so that one of our themes of one of our prior programs, continuity, is achieved. One of the things that sometimes happens in schools that start moving in the direction of collaborative problem solving with great enthusiasm and then the effort wanes is that there wasn't any continuity, there wasn't any follow-up. We, we, we used the ALSIP in those, be, those early meetings where we were talking about the kid, but nothing came after that. nothing comes after that, then collaborative problem solving, like so many initiatives that have come and gone, will come and go. We want to front load coaching sessions where we are formally checking in with people who are trying to do Plan B in the building to find out how it's going. So we're not only just monitoring and tracking the challenging kids, we are monitoring and supporting the efforts of the people in Plan B, excuse me, in the building, who are trying to do Plan B with a particular kid. We're front-loading. One other thing we might want to front load, what we're doing with our existing school discipline program. You're not going to be doing plan B with a kid if he's suspended out of school. question came up today with one of the schools that I'm working with. So what should we do while we're waiting for plan B to work? We, we understand plan B can take a while. We got that part. Um, what should we do? Uh, if he still acts up, don't we still need to suspend him? No. We've got a whole bunch of options available to us besides suspending or Plan B. Those are two options. Good that we recognize that Plan B can take a while. Good that we recognize that this is not going to be a quick fix, but is our only option while we're waiting for Plan B to work to suspend a kid? No. That's your old discipline program. I wonder what kind of ideas we could come up with as a building for what we do as an interim plan while we are working hard at making Plan B work. And as I've pointed out in other programs, Plan B is working even if you haven't achieved the holy grail yet, the holy grail of Plan B. 
plan B is working, well, collaborative problem solving is working, if you've reduced your use of plan A, that might reduce your feeling the need to suspend a kid. Collaborative problem solving is working if you've increased your use of plan C so that you're not working right now on the things that are not prioritized. You're only working on the things that are prioritized, thereby reducing the likelihood that a kid will look like, will behave in a way that tempts you to suspend him. Collaborative problem solving is working if the kid is participating in plan B with you. It's not blowing you off. Collaborative problems working if you're getting information from the kid in the empathy step. You're starting to understand what's getting in his way. Collaborative problem solving is working if he's willing to sit there and hear your concern. Collaborative problem solving is working if he's brainstorming solutions with you so as to finally get this problem solved once and for all now that we understand what it is. All those ways in which collaborative problem solving is working before you reach the holy grail of collaborative problem solving, a solved problem, a durable solution. But all of those ways in which collaborative problem solving is working should greatly reduce the likelihood of you feeling the urge to suspend a kid when he's acting up. Might you need what I've come to call an interim plan, a plan not the ultimate solution to the problem, but a temporary solution to the problem so as to reduce the likelihood that the problem will get in the way, come up, cause the kid to act up in the first place. Sure, and that's something you can talk about with the kid. What should we do if you come across a writing assignment that you can't do before we have a solution in place for how we're going to help you with your writing? What should we do? That's an interim plan, not a plan B solution. But the point here is this. If, you've, if you have a few well-intentioned souls in the building who are trying to get collaborative problem-solving going, but the school discipline program is business as usual, that's really going to make it much harder to get to get some traction on plan B. Because, number one, well, the kid might not have been be in the building to do plan B with, but number two, we are still interacting with him in a way that is adversarial, that is treating him like he's the enemy. And uh, that's not conducive to plan B, and that's not conducive to the helping relationship you're trying to build with a kid. We want to give some thought before September to what we're doing with our existing school discipline program while we're busy trying to get good plan B. A whole bunch of stuff we could be front-loading and thinking about now in preparation for September. If we got really ambitious, we could ask people who've done Plan B this year to share their experiences, their successes, where they feel their vulnerabilities are, where they went wrong in trying to do Plan B, 
to educate everybody else in the building. You know, we could front load what we're going to, how we're going to approach people who aren't quite on board in the building with this collaborative problem-solving stuff. How are we going to rope them in? How are we going to approach them so that we they know that we know that this is not something that they seem to be participating in, coming along with? They're not seizing the moment. How are we going to approach them? I would recommend the empathy step. We've noticed that you haven't been a major part of our efforts here in collaborative problem solving. What's up? These are all things who should be part of our core group in our building. Uh, people who are putting in a fair amount of extra time to get good at collaborative problem solving and maybe helping other people when they're struggling. What we might call mentors. Who are those folks? These are all things that we should be thinking about now. I hate to add to the burden of what's going on in schools at the end of the school year. But that's really the most that can be accomplished in these next six weeks. How do we set the stage for the next nine months? And let's not do anything in these last six weeks that will make a kid less receptive to talking with us and participating in Plan B come September. I know that um, there are some popular programs out there uh, aimed at community building that talk about the first six weeks. Now you know I'm talking about the last six weeks. Let's get ready. They're coming back. Maybe we got rid of a few of them. They're going on to a different school or they're moving. But most of them are coming back. Let's be even more ready to do collaborative problem solving with them next year than we were when they were than we were this year. All progress is incremental. Let's learn from how we did this year so as to make next year's efforts at collaborative problem solving even better. And on that note, let's call it a day for today's program. Thanks for joining in. I hope you found this to be useful. Once again, only three programs left for the remainder of the school year. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself over the summer when I'm not doing this program, but I guess I'll just plan for next year's programs. Talk to you next week. <laughs>